I ask you this morning to please open your Bibles to the book of Lamentations. Lamentations chapter 3. If I could help you find the book of Lamentations, if you could find uh, Isaiah, then Jeremiah, you'll come to the book of Lamentations, and if you'll go to chapter 3. And as soon as you find chapter 3 of the book of Lamentations, I'm going to ask you to hold that place in your Bible. Just maybe put your finger in there or put a piece of paper or something. And then if you would, please turn to the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 3. We're actually going to begin in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, and we'll come back to Lamentations in a few minutes. And if I can help you find Ecclesiastes, if you could find Psalms, then Proverbs, then you'll come to the book of Ecclesiastes, and if you'll turn to chapter 3. It's great to be back in your church again. I have been here several years in a row now, and I appreciate the fact that Brother Gammons is kind enough to allow me to speak in your church. He's a very dear friend, and uh, when you have Tim Gammons as a friend, you know you're loved. And I'm thrilled that God has given me that privilege to be a, to be one of Tim Gammons' friends and. I always feel very loved around him. I know you do too. Before we get to Ecclesiastes chapter 3, I'm going to remind us that there was a young man in the Bible by the name of Daniel. He grew up in the country of Israel, maybe in the city of Jerusalem. While he was a young man, a child, we don't know his age, but during his growing up years, the country of Israel was invaded by a foreign country, and they were conquered, and many of the people in Israel, including Daniel, were taken as slaves. They were taken captive as slaves, and they were taken back to Babylon. While Daniel was in Babylon as a slave, the king, uh, Nebuchadnezzar, had a dream, and it concerned him, so he wanted someone to interpret the dream for him, so he tried to get one of the uh, wise men there in the country to interpret, but none of them could. So God gave the interpretation of the dream to Daniel. Daniel interpreted the dream. The king was so grateful, he made Daniel the number two man in the entire nation, put him in charge of everything in the nation right underneath the king. Many years later, there was another king in the land of in the uh, uh, nation of Babylon. His name was Belshazzar. Belshazzar was having a drunken feast one night, and during that drunken feast, they were mocking God. They had taken the golden vessels, the cups and glasses from the temple that had been stolen from the temple in Israel many years before, and they were drinking wine out of those golden vessels that had been sanctified for the praise of the Lord, and they were mocking God by doing that. In the midst of that drunken feast, a man's hand, or at least the fingers of a man's hand, appeared and began to write on the walls something that nobody could understand. The king, well, you've heard the phrase before, the handwriting on the wall, that's where that phrase came from, that story. Well, the king was so shocked by that and, 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 and frightful that his knees began to knock together. You've heard the phrase, I'm so afraid my knees are knocking. Well, that's where that phrase came from, that same story in the Bible. Well, the queen came in and said to her husband, the king Belshazzar, she said, there is a man here in the kingdom who can interpret dreams. Maybe he can interpret that writing on the wall for you. So the king calls in Daniel 
And the king, Belshazzar, says to Daniel, I have heard of thee that thou canst make interpretations and, notice this phrase, dissolve doubts. Belshazzar said to Daniel, I've heard that you can dissolve doubts. And you know that's what every father in America ought to be doing right now is dissolving the doubts of his family. That's what every husband in America ought to be doing right now is dissolving the doubts of his wife. That's what every mother in America ought to be doing right now is dissolving the doubts of her children. That's what our news media should be doing, but they're dead sure not. And everybody's entitled to their own opinion, and I don't mind you having your opinion, but in my opinion, that's what President Trump tried to do on several occasions was to dissolve the doubts. Several years ago, I was talking to one of my uh, adult daughters, and I was explaining a certain issue to her, and I could tell when I was talking to her that she was becoming more relaxed as I explained the issue to her. She was calming down, and she finally said with tears in her eyes, she said, but the problem is this. Every time a new issue comes up, my daddy's not here when I get home at night to calm my fears. Many years ago, my former pastor, his name was Jack Hiles, I know some of you have heard of him, uh, he taught our church something that God has used, he taught a truth from the Bible that God has used in my life to help me many times through the years to calm my fears. I don't remember what the title of his message was, I don't remember what text he used out of the Bible, but I know that God has used what he taught us to calm my fears many times, and what I would like to do this morning is to ask the Holy Spirit to help me teach you some of what Brother Hiles taught us that morning that God has used to calm my fears through the years. If you would please look at Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and I want to begin with verse 1. Ecclesiastes 3 verse 1 says, to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up that which is planted. Now would you turn back in your Bible just one page, in most Bibles one or two pages, back to the first chapter of Ecclesiastes. In Ecclesiastes chapter 1, I'm just going to read one verse. It's going to be verse 9. So Ecclesiastes 1, 9 says, The thing that hath been is that which shall be. Or in other words, that phrase is saying this it's, that phrase is saying, the thing that hath been is the thing which shall be. And that which is done is that which shall be done. And there is no new thing under the sun. You know, that verse is telling us that the same thing that happened yesterday is going to happen tomorrow. The sun rose in the east and set in the west yesterday, same thing's going to happen tomorrow. That verse is telling us that the same thing that happened last week is going to happen next week. It's telling us that the same thing that happened last month 
It's going to happen next month. It rained a little bit last month. It's going to rain a little bit next month. It's telling us that the same thing that happened last year is going to happen next year. It uh, uh, snowed a little bit last year. It's going to snow a little bit next year. That verse is telling us that the same thing that happened in the last decade is going to happen in the next decade. Mark my word. You take today's date and you count back 10 years and you add up the number of hurricanes we've had here in America and you mark my word, you take today's date and you, uh, you keep records for the next 10 years and you add up the number of hurricanes we have in America and I promise you the number is going to be very similar. Uh, that verse is telling us that the same thing that happened in the last century is going to happen in the next century. You know about the same percentage of the population that died in the last century is about the same percentage of population that's going to die in the next century? Now, the news media, they'll try to make you think that the worst thing that ever happened in the history of mankind, it happened today while you had your television off for a few hours. You know, they'll tell you, surely America's going to be destroyed. If not tonight, it'll happen tomorrow. I heard one gal say that we've only got 12 years left. <laughs> she said in so many words, you know, uh, in 12 years, the whole world, the whole earth is going to be destroyed unless you put me in charge <laughs> and do everything I say. You know, sounds kind of like a Batman cartoon. <laughs> you know, the bad guys are going to destroy the whole world. But I promise you, 12 years from now, if Jesus doesn't come back, the sun will still rise in the east and it will still set in the west. I promise you, 12 years from now, if Jesus doesn't come back, it will still rain a little bit every month. I promise you, 12 years from now, if Jesus doesn't come back, it will still snow a little bit every year. 12 years from now, the geese will still fly south in the fall and come back north in the spring. Water will still run downhill. We'll all still be breathing oxygen. Most men will still like women. Most women will still like men. And women will still be giving birth to cute little babies and grandparents will still be loving their grandchildren 12 years from now. Have you ever noticed how far off they are on the age of the earth? <laughs> I mean, they say it's millions and millions. Well, they kind of worn that phrase out now. So now they're saying billions and billions, of, you know. Uh, but, you know, if you want to know how old the earth is, all you have to do is just look in the book. <laughs> you remember those open book tests we used to have in school? Didn't you love those tests when they gave you a test and gave you the book? You could, you could find the, the answers in the book. Well, if you want to know how old the earth is, just look in the book. You know, they talk about prehistoric this and prehistoric that. There ain't no such thing as prehistoric. History has been recorded from the beginning. It says in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And, and if you take the Bible and you add up the genealogies and, and put it all together, the earth is a little over 6,000 years old. And since the earth is a little over 6,000 years old according to God, and the scientists, so-called scientists, say that it's millions and millions of years old, it, if they're that far off on how old the earth is, millions of years compared to 6,000 years, and the answer's right there in the book and they can't even find it, how in the world do you think they're going to narrow it down to 12 years is all we've got left? <laughs> now, in Genesis, God says, while the earth remaineth seed time and harvest, Cold and heat, and summer and winter, and day and night shall not 
ceased. Now, some will try to make you believe that it has finally gotten so bad here in America that you can no longer be used of God to have an influence for good or for right. You know, it's gotten so bad you can no longer uh, build a bus route. You can no longer uh, have a Sunday school class. You can no longer have a teenager's life changed uh, for good for God. Uh, you can no longer have a, strength, a strong marriage or, or rear godly children or have a, a traditional uh, uh, conservative godly biblical family here in America or you can no longer win souls or bring converts uh, down the aisle but I promise you that 12 years from now God will still be doing every one of those things I know the world has its problems and I don't, de I don't deny that and I know that even America has her problems today but you know Babel had its problems and when God came down and confused the languages, you know, from that day to this, day and night has not ceased. And that thing that hath been is a thing that shall be. Yes, America has her problems just like the rest of the world does, but so did Sodom and Gomorrah. And remember when God came down and destroyed those two cities? And from that day to this, day and night has not ceased, and the thing that hath been is the thing that shall be. Yes, the world has its problems, America has her problems, but so did the children of Israel when they refused to go into the promised land and God made them wander in the wilderness for 40 years but even during those 40 years and from then till now day and night has not ceased and the thing that hath been is that which shall be yes the world has its problems and so does America but so did Israel when Israel would not uh, uh, when Israel was uh, 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 taken into captivity now you remember what God said to the to the children of Israel when they were in captivity you remember he told Jeremiah to tell them? Here's what he said. God said to Jeremiah, tell them this right here. Build ye houses and dwell in them. While they were in captivity, he said, build your house and dwell in it. That sounds like long-term plans to me. He said, uh, plant gardens and eat the, fruit, uh, uh, eat the fruit of them. That sounds like long-term plans to me. He said, take ye wives and beget sons, plural, and daughters, plural. That's long-term plans. He said, uh, uh, take wives for your sons, give your daughters to husbands. And he said, seek the peace of the city and, 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 and for, for in the peace thereof shall ye have peace. What was God telling them? That even while they were in captivity they were to go about the routine of life. And they were to plan for God to continue to do what he had always done. And they were to understand that no man nor any men nor any people or any group or any organization or any particular nation could stop God from doing what he's always done. Amen. And what God has always done, God will continue to do because God is God. So what should we be doing here in America today? We ought to be praying for the peace of our nation. <laughs> and while we do pray for the peace of our nation... We ought to go about the routine of life and we ought to make our long-term plans and we ought to plan for God to always be God. And we ought to plan for God. Now, I know some will say, well, God can do what he's always done. No, that's not what the Bible only says. The Bible says God not only can do what he's always done, the Bible says God will do what he's always done. 
The thing that happened yesterday is going to happen tomorrow. The thing that happened last year is going to happen next year. The thing that happened in the last century is going to happen in the next century. And by the way, don't let them tell you you missed your chance. Don't let them tell you that God will not do what he's always done. I'm telling you that, that God always has and he always, he always has been God. He always will be God. Turn to Lamentations chapter 3 if you would please. In Lamentations chapter 3... Jeremiah was in the city of Jerusalem. It was it was ruined. It was it, it, it had been destroyed and ruined. Every every house in the city had been burned to the ground. the The walls had been destroyed. There was just a pile of rubble around the city where there used to be a wall, and the remnant of the people, just a few people left, were uh, were living in the rubble of that wall. No houses to live in. They were digging caves underneath the rubble. They were living underneath. Little, cake, little crevices and so forth in the, and among the rubble. And Jeremiah walks out into the city and he looks around at all that destruction and all that ruin and that rubble and, and those remnant of people living there. And in verse 21, Jer- uh, uh, Lamentation, Lamentations chapter 3, verse 21, here's what Jeremiah said. Verse 21, this... I recall to my mind. What? What's he recalling to his mind? That rubble. He's out there. He went out for a walk and he looks and he sees that rubble, that destruction. He sees all the destruction around him. He said, this destruction I recall to my mind. Therefore, I have anxiety and, and, and fear and distress and worry. Now, that's what he said. He said, I look around at all this and I have hope. You do? Why in the world? Well, look at verse 22. Verse 22. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. You know, can I tell you this morning why America has not been totally consumed yet? It's not because I'm better than you. It's not because you're better than somebody else. It's not because we're better than them. It's not because there's more of us than there are of them. No, the reason America has not been consumed yet is because of the mercies of God. And by the way, the reason that that, that it still hasn't been consumed is because God's mercies and, and compassions are new every morning. Look at verse 23. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Every morning when God gets up, well, I don't know if God gets up, but but every morning when Ray Young gets up, God looks down and he says, Oh my goodness, I need some new mercies. Ray Young just woke up. <laughs> and he said, He looks down there and he says, Oh my goodness, I need some new new compassions. Ray Young's getting out of bed. And by the way, that is exactly why you haven't been consumed yet. That's exactly why our nation hasn't been consumed yet because we have a God whose mercies are the same forever and forever and forever. Let's continue reading. Look at verse 24. Jeremiah said, The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore, will I have hope in the Republican Party? No, no, he said, therefore, will I have hope in the president of my choice? No, he said, I'll have hope in him. Verse 25, the Lord is good unto them that wait for him, to the soul that seeketh him. 
It is good that a man should both hope and, boy, I don't like these words, quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. I don't want to quietly wait. I want to tell everybody my opinion. I want to tell everybody out there, look, this is the way it ought to be done. I want to tell everybody out there, if you'll just sit down and shut up and listen to me, we'll straighten out this whole mess. But that's not what God told me to do. God told me to quietly wait for his salvation. Quietly wait for him to salvage the situation. I'm not going to fix America. You're not going to fix America. I'm not going to fix my own problems. You're not going to fix your own problems. If my problems ever get fixed, which I have plenty of, if your problems ever get fixed, which you probably have some of, if our country's problems ever get fixed, it'll be because of him and his mercy. You ever hear somebody say, boy, I just wish we could go back to those good old days. <laughs> I wish we could just go back to the way America used to be. Yeah, well, okay, if you want to go back to the good old days, then maybe we should go way back to the, to the really good old days. Go, go way back. Maybe we could go all the way back to that 400-year time period when the whole world was, was plagued with the leprosy of slavery. And even America was affected by it. Yeah, maybe we could go back to those good old days when we used to buy and sell each other. <laughs> okay, if you want to go back to the good old days, maybe we could go back to that time when our vice president, Aaron Burr, shot and killed the secretary of the treasury, Alexander Hamilton, in a duel over a political argument. Okay, if you want to go back to the good old days, the way it used to be, maybe we could go back to, to what it was like in my childhood. Maybe we could go back to that November of 1963. I remember I was sitting in the classroom. I was in the third grade. My teacher got up in front of the class. She said, boys and girls, get your books together. We're all going home early today. And I thought, hot dogs. I mean, praise the Lord. <laughs> and, and she said, the buses are lined up outside. And I hadn't even noticed. I looked out the window. There were all the buses. She said, uh, we're going home early. And man, was I excited. I went out and got on the bus, sat down on about the third row right on the aisle. And I was sitting there, and uh, there was this little boy. Well, not this little boy. He was a big boy. I was in the third grade. He was in the fourth grade. And his name was Chuck Mazik. And he was sitting across the aisle, and he said, Hey, Ray, do you know why we're going home early? And I said, No. And I didn't care. We were just going home early. That's all that mattered. And he said, Ray, they shot and killed our president this morning. Now, my little third grade mind didn't quite comprehend all of that. But then he said... But Ray, do you know the real reason why they're sending us home early? And I said, no. He said, because the Russians are coming. He said, they're going to invade our country. He said, they're trying to get us home before they get here so we can be with our moms and dads before the Russians get here. I cried all the way home. <laughs> I could just see three or four big old ugly Russians. And I don't know if all Russians are ugly or not, but that morning they were in my mind. And I could just see them at the front door trying to break in when I got there. Okay, maybe you want to go back to the good old days like it was in 1966 uh, 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 when the man killed his wife and mother-in-law one night. And the next morning he climbed to the top of the clock tower on the University of Texas Austin campus and shot and killed 15 people with a high-powered rifle before anybody could stop him. Okay, if you want to go back to the good old days, maybe you could go back to 1968 when Martin Luther King was assassinated. 
and riots broke out all over our country. Now, I know last summer we had some what they called riots. I don't call them riots. I called them uh, paid-for demonstrations. But, but I think it affected 20-something cities. And, 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 but, but, but in 1968, there was over 100 cities where the riots broke out. And, 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 and they didn't burn uh, one precinct and a couple of cars. No, back then, they burned 20 and 30 square block sections of whole cities. I remember watching it on the news. I remember the night my family and I were sitting at the supper table. I was 12 years old. And I remember watching live television. Uh, there was a helicopter hovering over an intersection in Los Angeles, and the man had pulled his car up to a traffic light, and a swarm of men came out and beat the windows out of his car, drug him out of the car, and beat him to death while we sat there and watched it on the news that, that night. I remember the next afternoon, my dad came home from work. He sat my older brother and me on the couch. I was 12, my brother was 16. He pulled the coffee table up and sat down in front of us, and my dad was not a hothead in any way whatsoever. He was a very calm man. Most people spoke of him as being meek. And, and my dad said, boys, this afternoon when I got off work, he was a carpenter. There was, my dad and one other man were building a house together in a neighborhood where nobody lived yet. He said, this afternoon when I got off work, uh, the other man and I were driving our trucks out of the neighborhood. And when we got to the end of the neighborhood, the new neighborhood, he said there were about 40 men across the road in front of us. They wouldn't let us go by. They had iron pipes and tie irons and ball bats and bricks and so forth. And he said, I happened to have my pump shotgun and behind the seat in the truck. Back then, everybody did, and, uh, in the South at least. And, and, uh, and, and he said, the other man happened to have his 30 6 behind the seat in his truck. He said, we stopped our trucks. We, rolled, we opened the doors. We rolled down the windows. We racked in a shed and he said the crowd dispersed. He said, when I got home this afternoon, I found out that today, our next door neighbor, Mr. Lawler, he was a politician. They knew where he was doing something. They had come to the Lawler's house and they had surrounded the house and they were trying to break in and bother Mrs. Lawler. The sheriffs had to come and chase them off. And my little 12-year-old ears heard my daddy say, boys, I have to go to work tomorrow. I cannot stay home from work. He said, if those men come back tomorrow and they try to bother your mother, my 12-year-old ears heard him say, you know where the guns are. And my 12-year-old ears heard him say, boys, a wounded man can shoot back and he can testify in court. A dead man can't do either one. Don't shoot him in the legs. I was 12 years old when I heard that statement. Hey, maybe we could go back to the good old days like it was in 1969 when 400,000, almost a half a million teenagers and young adults, so-called adults, showed up in a uh, cow pasture, in a man's uh, cow pasture in, in Woodstock, New York. And for four days and nights, nonstop rock music concert, open drugs, open nudity, open sex like animals... You want to go back to the good old days? Maybe we could go back to the, 19, uh, the 1970s. You remember John Wayne Gacy and his 33 victims he buried in the basement of his house? You remember Jim Jones and him taking over 1,000 people down to Guyana and when it was discovered what he was doing, uh, he talked over 900 of them into drinking the purple, uh, the, the grape uh, Kool-Aid, the poison Kool-Aid. Yes, America has had her problems, but so has Japan and Germany and China and France and Iran and Mexico and Africa and Russia and, South and North Korea. But despite all those problems, day and night has not ceased.
And the thing that hath been is the thing that shall be. And I'm glad I can stand here this morning and testify that during those tumultuous 1960s and 70s, that's when my mother got a gospel track that came from the, the track rack in the, in the vestibule of the church and set me down on my bed on a Sunday afternoon and with tears running down her face, read that track to me. I didn't quite understand it all. I didn't get saved at that moment. But that was the first time I'd ever heard the gospel. That was in the 1960s. Hey, it was 1970 when a bus, just like one of your bus, well, th th this bus wasn't as nice as any of your buses, but, but in the night, it was 1970 when a bus came by my house. I lived on a dead-end dirt road, two houses on the road, and, and the bus came by my house, and the first time I went to that church, I got saved. The second time I went, I got baptized. The third time I went, I, I, was, I was called to preach. It was during the 1960s and 70s that God used that to change my life. I believe that 12 years from right now, if Jesus doesn't come back, some of you sitting here in this room this morning will still be teaching the Word of God to little boys and girls in a Sunday school class. I believe that 12 years from now, if Jesus doesn't come back, some of you sitting here in this room this morning will still be driving one of those buses out there, probably the same one, and, and, and you'll still be picking up boys and girls, and you'll still be bringing them to church, and God will still be saving people, and God will still be changing lives, and this book will still be true, and the sun will still come up in the east, it'll still set in the west, and God will still be God. And 12 years from now, God will still be using the Holy Spirit to comfort my heart and to comfort your heart. And 12 years from now, God will still be using this book right here to reveal himself to us. And somebody asked me this week, uh, what's the best way to get a pure, uh, clean uh, 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 image or picture of who Jesus really is? And I said, the best way I know is to read this book right here. And this book right here will not change in the next 12 years. And Jesus won't change in the next 12 years and God won't change in the next 12 years I don't know what's going to happen in our country but I know God will still be God 12 years from now some of you sitting in this room this morning you'll still be winning people to Christ you'll still be bringing visitors to church 12 years from now some of you will be winning your own children to Christ with that book right there and 12 years from now In the last year and a half, two years maybe at the most, I have had the privilege of personally going door to door, knocking on doors, soul winning with a different pastor in, in different states like uh, uh, Massachusetts, Texas, West Virginia, uh, Connecticut, Arizona, uh, North Carolina, Nebraska, Montana, California, Indiana, Michigan, Mississippi, not to mention uh, Thailand and Mexico and the Philippines and Honduras. And I can stand here this morning and testify that God is still saving people in every one of those places. Don't let them cause you to doubt. Don't let them get your spirit. If they can get your spirit, they can control you. And we are not to be controlled by them. We're to be controlled by him. Do you remember that it was while Nebuchadnezzar was the king? You remember Nebuchadnezzar? Remember how wicked he was? He was so wicked, God made him go out in the field and eat grass like, a, like an ox. While Nebuchadnezzar was the king, God used Daniel. 
While Ahasuerus was the king, you remember how wicked Ahasuerus was? Remember that guy? His wife didn't do something he liked one night, and so he kicked her out and said, you can't be the queen anymore, and so he needed a new queen. So he sent his servants to the 127 provinces. You know, like we have 50 states, they had 127 provinces, and he said, get me a virgin or two or three from every one of those provinces and bring them here, and he auditioned every one of them. You know what that means? He spent the night with one at a time. And while that wicked king was, was uh, 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 in charge, God used Esther. While the Pharaohs were in charge, God used Joseph and Moses. While Jezebel was in charge, who knows, we may have a Jezebel in charge of our country someday. I don't know. But, but while Jezebel was in charge, God used Elijah. While Caesar ruled the whole world from Rome, God used Paul. While Herod was cutting people's necks off, John the Baptist, James and others, God used Peter and John. The thing that hath been is that which shall be. Remember in the 1960s when they told us that 12 years from now, all the oil in the whole world was going to be gone? Remember standing, remember those long lines you had to wait in to get your gasoline? You remember that? You remember the 1980s when they told us 10 years from now, uh, 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 there's going to be another ice age? You remember in the 1980s when they told us that uh, within 10 years, acid rain is going to kill all the crops in the whole world? You remember in the 1990s when they told us the ozone will be completely gone within 10 years? You remember in the 2000s when they told us within the next 10 years, the ice caps are going to completely melt? <laughs> Isn't it amazing? In 30 years' time, they went from a new ice age to there ain't going to be no ice. <laughs> and the amazing thing is, none of that happened. But I tell you what did happen, the sun kept coming up in the east and kept setting in the west. I tell you what did happen, uh, God kept being God. I tell you what did happen, this book kept being true. I tell you what did happen, God continued to save people by the foolishness of preaching. What I'm doing this morning is foolish to the world. But when God puts his blessing up on it, it's not foolish anymore. It's what saves the lost, the power of the gospel. And this morning, God is here with his arms this wide, waiting for you to come to him. And he wants to save you this morning from your sin exactly the way he saved me in 1970. Exactly the way he saved that man right there. Exactly the way he saved your mom or your dad or your grandfather or your grandmother. And 10 years and 12 years from now, if Jesus hasn't come back, that same God will still have his arms open. And the same Holy Spirit will still be comforting you and me. Could I have every head bowed and every eye closed?